You guys can be seated. Hey, I want to give you an opportunity uh, this morning, a service opportunity uh, that has been made aware to us and given to us as a church. Next Saturday morning, next Saturday morning, Pilot Elementary School reached out to us and said, we need some extra hands, uh, feet, and uh, farm equipment, and yard equipment, and hands to do a campus beautification project next Saturday morning. If you are unaware of where Pilot Elementary School is, let me just tell you, you can throw a rock at it, all right? It's right behind us, the closest school to us, but no, seriously, they said, hey, can you guys come uh, bring a, a crew of people to help us and some of our parents do some work around our campus? If you would like to do that, it's next Saturday morning from 9 a.m. until the more of us, the until becomes shorter, I'm sure, right? Um, the fewer of us, the longer the until goes. But 9 a.m., we plan on getting started. Um, there is a rain date. There's some information about that. Um, Lee is not in this room this morning, our missions pastor. But if you are interested, uh, we need a minimum of, of 25 people. We should be able to knock that out in this service alone. Um, just send an email to Lee. It's very simple to remember, lee at richfork.com, all right? Lee at richfork.com and say, I want to help out with Pilot Elementary School next week. What do I need to bring? How many people can I bring? What can we do um, to help out? So I just wanted to give you that information. It's in the bulletin as well uh, so that you can, you can be a part of that next Saturday morning. Hey, when I was in seventh grade, I went to Wilson Middle School uh, in Charlotte, and I remember uh, one specific day in, in middle school, I was in seventh or eighth grade, can't remember, I was one of the first folks that went through middle school there in Charlotte, and I was on the blacktop basketball court during recess. I don't know what they call it in seventh grade, but it's not recess, it's something, like it's outdoor play period, whatever it is. And so we were outside, and this, this day was different than any other, because on this particular day, I got in my one and only fight in school don't laugh it was a tie okay for the record it was a tie both of us left with one black eye each all right and and, and we were close the crazy thing is we were really close friends and we got into something over something that he said towards me and so i'm going to say he started the fight because he said something first but i'm pretty sure i threw the first punch okay i'm not making that don't do this kids okay bad bad all right don't do this so here's where it started as, and I remember it forever. He called me a name that I think I can say in public. He called me a teacher's witness. Now, you Davidson County folks may not know, but we Charlotte folks know that's not a real nice phrase, okay? It's kind of a, a tattletale. And he made this word up. I actually had never heard it before, but it just bothered me that he was calling me a teacher's pet, a snitch, whatever you want to call it. And he followed me around the blacktop, the basketball court, just going, teacher's witness, teacher's witness, teacher's witness. And I just turned around, pop. He turned around, pop. And we looked at each other and went, we probably shouldn't do this anymore. And we just stopped. We both had black eyes. We made up a story. We went in and we, the teacher asked what happened. And we said, well, I don't know. Something happened outside. The same tree hit both of us. I don't know what the story was, but we made up the story. Both of them were our, our, our left eyes. All right. Cause we're right-handed and connected. And, and we just, we just went all our day and we were still great friends. And that was it. And whoever said that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me is a liar right? Because in that moment, there's something that came up upon me that decided that this was the right way to solve it. Bad moment. 
But immediately, the fight was over. It was so strange. We apologized to each other. We went to class. We spent the rest of the day. People asked about it. We just didn't make a big deal out of it. Wouldn't it be great if most of our relational issues ended that way, that quickly? You know, there, there was a statement made, and you apologize, you move on, or spiritually. Wouldn't it be nice if spiritually the battles from the enemy would just be won and done and over? Over the next four weeks, I want us to see that we are in a spiritual battle every moment of every day. You are in a fight. And this enemy doesn't go away with one pop. This enemy doesn't go, well, that hurt. I'll leave you alone. Scripture tells us this. Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Whether or not you want to admit it, whether or not you want to accept it, you need to know that Scripture calls out for us The Apostle Paul calls us out in this. Jesus, we're going to see, lays us out for this. You are in a spiritual battle every moment of every day. And the enemy is vicious. The enemy is unrelenting. At one point in his ministry, Jesus describes Satan. He is speaking with the Pharisees. He says this in John chapter 8, verse 44. He says, you are of your father, the devil, And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and he is the father of lies. You know if you go up to someone and you call them a liar, that is one of the most egregious insults that you can place upon someone. And here, Jesus says, Satan is a liar. When he speaks, that's what he does. And he's saying to the Pharisees, listen, that's who you're following. He says, Satan is the father of lies. You are in a spiritual battle every moment of every day. And Scripture says this, that the thief, the enemy, comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly would you say this verse with me this morning the thief comes only to steal to kill and destroy i came that they may have life and have it abundantly this is jesus speaking he's speaking of the enemy in the middle of him talking about what a good shepherd is and here he describes the enemy as the opposite of good shepherd he said he is there to take possessions that are not his he is there to take an, as an animal to the slaughter, to steal, to kill, and destroy. And let me just go ahead and throw this out there for us this morning. The enemy is not going to wait for you to come, become prepared for the battle. Some of us are thinking, oh, we're in a battle, we're in a spiritual battle every moment of every day. Yes. And the enemy is not going to sit around and wait and say, well, I sure hope that maybe they can become spiritually prepared so we can actually have a good battle. No. 
He is going to attack you, to harm you, and destroy you. He's not going to wait for your marriage to get stronger before he throws a bomb in your marriage. That's going to happen when you walk down the aisle. That's going to happen when some of you are planning your weddings. In the middle of planning, you're going to go, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? He's not going to wait for you to go to a marriage seminar this year and kind of get re-energized in your marriage. He's not going to wait. He's not going to wait for our children to become mature believers. He's not going to sit around and say, you know what, I'll, I'll attack their heart, soul, and the mind when they become an adult. And if you're under 18, just know this, Satan's not waiting for you to turn 18 before he attacks your thoughts, your lusts, your desire, your self-worth, and your character. He's not waiting. He's not holding back. He is attacking you at every turn. He's attacking me at every turn in your relationships, in your jobs, in your thoughts, in your decisions, inside the church, outside the church. And he's not going to wait for you to get prepared for the fight. But thankfully, thankfully, we have an example. Jesus, in one of his first moments that we record, have recorded of his movement and his ministry, takes place after Jesus is baptized. Scripture tells us that Jesus fasts for 40 days, for 40 nights, and then he is led by the Spirit to be tempted. And I want us to see this morning, from Jesus' example, how we fight. But I also want us to know that over the next few weeks, we're going to be examining and stepping into some battles that I know that some of you fight. Fear. Anxiety. Deception. Forgiveness. Self-worth. Relationships. Even sharing your faith. We're going to jump into some battles and we're going to examine when the enemy strikes, what do we fight back with? Because he's going to come. When the enemy strikes, what do you and I fight back with? Are we prepared for the battle? He's not waiting for you to get ready. Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4 both record this moment where Jesus is in the desert. He is there. The temptation's about to take place. And Scripture says this. Luke chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered. Now, I paused right there on purpose. Because the beginning of that verse 3 says, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. There's the temptation. And then Jesus answered. What I want us to see is just kind of laying the groundwork for the next four weeks. We must acknowledge that there is an enemy. You guys, you've got to acknowledge that there's an enemy. Jesus acknowledged simply by answering that there is an enemy. I want you to see that Jesus acknowledged that he was real, that the temptation was real. The enemy attacks us when we're down. The enemy attacks us when we're on a high. And the enemy attacks us with temptations that fit the situation that we're in in life. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 describes the enemy. The enemy is real. 
Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Jesus is alone in the desert. He just experienced the baptism. He experienced the time of isolation that he had in fasting. And now he has a moment where the enemy comes directly to him and says, hey, here's the temptation. And Jesus acknowledges that the enemy is real. The enemy is real. We're in a fight and the enemy is real and he is not impersonal, but very personal. He's going to bait the hook with the temptations that will lure me in and away from my relationship to the Lord, and he's going to bait the hook with what you need in order to pull you away from your relationship to the Lord. The enemy, there is an enemy, and he takes advantage of the moment. The enemy is real, and he takes advantage of the moment. Because what does he say to Jesus? What does he tempt him with? He tempts him with bread. And Jesus' response was, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We'll we'll look at that in just a few moments, Jesus' reply. Satan zeroes in on a specific time in his life, in a specific moment. If you have been alone and you've been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, what is one thing that you are? Hungry. Satan doesn't offer him a a great credit card application for 15,000 frequent flyer miles, does he? He comes to him right where he is in the time, in the moment, and says, you hungry? Let's start there. Let's start where you already are. Let's start in the middle of this moment. And he says, if you are attempting to plant doubt in the mind of Jesus, if you are the Son of God, what was the greatest need? Something to eat. Likewise, the father of lies is here to destroy you, and he's going to hit you with temptations and the routines and the places that you are in the middle of. If you travel a lot by yourself, he's going to throw the temptations when you're alone. If you're struggling with a specific issue of integrity, you're going to face those difficult choices in private. Maybe no one else will know it for quite a while. Maybe not finances if you're struggling with your finances and temptations to spend magically you're going to get the most mail with the best offers right i've, I've thought about inventing I, I see a couple of you in this room that are kind of inventor guys all right if you could help me with this if you could help me invent an incinerator that's attached to my mailbox right that i could just i could look at the mail and go and never even take them in the house but see, I, I'm, it's easy for me to rip those up and throw them in the trash. Anger and emotions? You're going to have plenty of moments where your attitude is going to be tested. Plenty of them. I struggle, you guys have heard me share before, I struggle with patience while I'm driving. Last Sunday, we, we left the third service. We went home, we changed clothes, we bolted to Charlotte. We were sitting at my mom's house by 2.15 for lunch. 
miracles can happen. There was no traffic in Kannapolis, all right? We just zoomed right, right, right down through. We were sitting down at lunch. Uh, we were leaving. We were coming back. It was about 5 6 o'clock. We were on our way back. I was tired now, you know, Sunday, Easter, Saturday night, all taking place. And uh, my belly was full. I was ready to go home, and I was going to binge watch some L-Hop which some of you don't know what that is, that is Little House on the Prairie, just so you know, that's my weakness, all right? So I was going to go home, I was going to go home, I was excited, I was going to go home. Don't judge me, don't judge me. (laughs) It's way better than what some of you binge watch, all right? Trust me. So traffic comes to a standstill at marker 59, and I promise you, all I could think about in my head was, it is finished. And I prayed for y'all to leave with that thought in your house. It is finished. It is finished. I'm going, oh, man, here I am. And so instead of getting angry, I started, I found an 80s channel. And for 30 minutes, I made my kids suffer through 80s music. I'm not sure which is better, anger or 80s music, but that's what they got. They got 80s music, and we made it through. But my point is, the enemy was not going to wait for Monday morning to attack me simply because I'm a pastor. He wasn't going to hold back. He wasn't going to hit me with something that had nothing to do with the moment. He knew a weakness, and there I am in the middle of that, and he's given me an opportunity to test the character. Charles Stanley once said, he said, Satan often attacks us with this acronym the most, HALT, when we're hungry, angry, lonely, tired. We've combined those first two words in our culture. Now we call it hangry, right? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. We also need to realize that the enemy seeks to kill, steal, and destroy you and me. He's going to do so in the way that is closest to your heart. So then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are, there it is again, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. Notice what he's doing now. Notice what Satan is doing now. He's tempting Jesus with power and dominion and authority, but he's going to tempt him through quoting Scripture. He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. The enemy mixes truth with deception. The enemy loves to mix truth with deception. This is the plan from the Garden of Eden. Satan took the words of God, twisted them ever so slightly. He takes 80%, 70% of truth, mixes in 25, 30% of deception. So maybe we don't see it coming. Satan, when tempting Jesus, takes Scripture He poses the temptation through a passage of Scripture that is not in context. Psalm chapter 91 is not dealing with this type of moment. But it sounds great. Jesus would see right through his deception. How does he do this? Mixing in deception with a little bit of truth. The enemy puts on display for us at times. One of the biggest temptations our culture faces is that, hey, you know what? This planet is for your pleasure. Do what you want to do. Part of that is true. As children of God, God has created this for our enjoyment, for our pleasure. But we often leave out, and culture leaves out, that there are parameters given for those pleasures in order for them to be pleasures. 
And on the other side, we're tempted with the schemes of the devil, placing something in front of us, giving us a partial thought, maybe 75, maybe 80% of truth to go, hey, I'm just, I'm just reaching for this. It worked in the garden. Adam and Eve were in their minds thinking, what's God, God holding back from us? What else has he got for us? The reality is God was protecting mankind from the enemy of self. And in doing so, Satan mixed truth with deception. I want us to see one more thing that he does. He said, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Before we move on to Jesus' response and see those responses, I, I want to make sure we grasp this. The enemy promises pleasure but minimalizes pain. The enemy promises pleasure but minimalizes the pain. He takes Jesus in a way that we cannot imagine and don't completely comprehend, shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And says, all the glory, all the leadership, all the kingdoms, they can all be yours if you worship me. You hear that? This can all be yours if you worship me. You have dominion and power and glory, all the pleasures, but let me minimalize the pain if you worship me. Sometimes when I watch television, I see an advertisement for the latest deal on a new car and I have a moment of weakness. After all, it'll show on the screen. It'll say, take 11000 off the MSRP, 0% financing until you retire, no money down, free oil changes for life. I mean, it's the best thing that you could ever promise. Then they cut to the final screen, and down at the final of the bottom screen, it says this. It says, <laughs> you get it? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Here's what it says down there in the fine print. $11,000 off is when you turn in all your cars and other possessions, your firstborn children, and your retirement accounts. 0% financing until you retire with 100% of on-time payments. If not on time, you owe us 25% interest back dated from the date of your birth. No money down, but we hold your credit card for 60 days. Oil changes only happen if you can come in at 2 a.m. Right? I mean, that's kind of the, what takes place is they maximize the pleasure. Here you go. We'll give you all this off. But in fine print, we'll minimalize the pain. We'll minimalize the reality of what it takes to get there. The promise that Satan gives to him in the moment, it is flashy, it is attractive, it is glory-filled. And after all, here's the incredible moment of this, the irony of this. It's all Jesus is anyway. And he says, here, take this. And he says, no, no. There's, there's pleasure, there's glory, there's kingdoms. But I'm not going to worship you. Satan says to Jesus, you can have it all. As you're preparing for battle, as you're leaving this place today, I want you to know there is a battle you are in the battle. Satan's not waiting for you to get ready for the battle. Sometimes he's going to attack you in the middle of pain. Sometimes he's going to attack you in the middle of victory. But I will promise you this. He will promise you pleasure, but he will minimalize the pain.
He'll keep it tucked away in fine print. As I was preparing this morning, I pause right here. And I want to pray for you this morning. Because I think some of you are smack in the middle of the pain. You've ventured outside your marriage, and now you've found pain. You are deep in sins of lust, and you are deep in pain. So we're not finished. Don't close up your stuff, all right? I want to pray for you this morning. God, I come to you right now, and I pray for those who've been promised pleasure, but they're experiencing pain. I pray that they see this morning that their eyes are open to the battle that they're in. And I pray that they see through Scripture today that there is a response for us. I pray they see there is a conquering through Jesus Christ. And I pray for them in the middle of their pain. As they're sitting here in this room and, God, we're talking about pain. It's heavy for them. And they're not sure where to go with it. So, God, may we see the response from Jesus. And then may we respond accordingly. In Jesus' name, amen. We're, we're good. Jay, man, we're all right. I'm not done yet. So that's my son, by the way. He hears me pray. He knows it's time to get started, all right? So here's what I want us to do. I want us to see now what Jesus, how he responds. So we're going to back up and we're going to see how Jesus responds to each temptation. Here's the response of Jesus. Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. What's the reaction of Jesus in the middle of the fight of temptation? This is Jesus, the Son of God, in the Trinity. Holy is he. And how does he respond to temptation? With Scripture. How does he respond in the middle of temptation? He speaks truth from God's Word. Out of a relationship with his Holy Father, he is prepared for the attack. attack. So how can we be ready for the attack? We need to keep our eyes open for the enemy, especially after a victory. This is where Jesus was. The baptism, the ministry starting, the fasting is over. Here it is. Bam. After a victory. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You don't even make it out of the parking lot before the enemy attacks you in the car, Right? You know exactly what I'm talking about. It happens to me too. You get in the car with your family, it's over deciding where to go eat. And all of a sudden, whatever you learn, whatever spiritual moment you had just kind of gets washed away because of the immediate attack that takes place after some victories in your life. You've got a tremendous day of work. You walk in the door and you realize real quick the day is not over. You have an incredible time with the Lord, spending time with the Lord in a, in a quiet time or at a retreat, and you're growing, and you oh, this is incredible. You go to a concert, and the worship is incredible. He's coming at you. The enemy's real, and we need to watch out in those places of victory. We must remain in a growing relationship with the Lord. Over the next few weeks, we're going to see that many of our fighting words in specific battles come from our time in the Word. With the Lord and His preparing us for the upcoming battle, maturing in our relationship with Him will not insulate you from temptation. It won't keep you from temptation. He's not going to leave you alone, but it will prepare you for the battle as you are in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. 
We've got to be prepared in the, for, a, for, a, a, for a battle in the middle of a victory. We've got to know that we can be in a growing relationship. And we must be led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was led into this temptation through the Holy Spirit. Obviously, for us to learn from, also a part of God's plan. But Galatians 5.16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Notice what it doesn't say here in Galatians. It doesn't say, walk by the Spirit, and you will never be tempted by the flesh. It says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. There can be conquering over the flesh. There can be victory over the flesh. In John chapter 16, Jesus tells us that when he tells his disciples, when he leaves, he's going to send someone greater than he within them, the Holy Spirit. And he tells them specifically, he says, it's going to convict you in verse 8, it's going to guide you in verse 13, and it's going to tell you of things to come in your spirit. He's led by the Spirit. In the middle of the fiercest spiritual battles, we must be in tune with the Spirit of God and allow it to convict us, to lead us, to transform us as we prepare for what's to come. We must respond with fighting words. We've got to respond with fighting words. Memorize Scripture. Think about it. If it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. If it was good enough for him and that was his response in the battle, then you better believe it's good enough for us. This week I read on a blog regarding memorizing Scripture. Memorizing Scripture hasn't necessarily changed our circumstances, but it has changed us from the inside out. When we become a student of God's word, partakers of his word, then we become more prepared for the battles which lie ahead, and they are going to come. You are in a battle. The enemy is real, and he's not waiting for you to get ready. So we've got to go on the offensive. So one of the things I love about several ministries that are taking place in our church right now, the amount of scripture that's being memorized by some of you folks, it's absolutely incredible. We must stand in a place of victory through the cross. This goes back to last week. We've got to stand in a place of victory through the cross of Jesus Christ. Last week, to Tetelestai, it is finished. Sin and death being conquered for eternity, but not stopping their devices to continue to tempt us. It is through victory on the cross. It is through Jesus and through Jesus Christ alone that we fight these victories. You don't do this on your own. A little girl was once asked by her Sunday school teacher if Satan ever tempted her to do wrong. And she said, oh, yes. She said, but when he knocks at the door of my heart, I just pray, Lord Jesus, would you just go to the door for me? Amen. What happens then? And she was asked, oh, everything turns out all right. When Satan sees Jesus, he runs away every time. In her simple faith, this little girl realized that even the strongest follower is no match for satan outside of the victory on the cross not a single one of us is mature enough to fight these battles outside of scripture and outside of our relationship with jesus christ so it is finished that we saw last week we can go back to this morning and look at our passage of scripture matthew 4 1 through 11 three times there's one word that's used that's actually three words in english it is it is written so it is finished moves us to it is written and it is written to saying, listen, these are the words to fight the battle. 
So today, I want us to start with the verse that we began the message with. And I want to ask you to do something. I'm not going to send you a note. I'm not going to put a card in your seat. I'm not going to send you a reminder in the mail. I want to ask you to memorize John 10, 10 with me this week. I know some of you say I'm not a good memorizer. But again, I can quote 80 songs from 25 years ago, right? I can come up with a list of excuses. A list of reasons. But I want to ask you and challenge you. Let's gear ourselves with fighting words. And let's collectively, without a lot of prodding, without a lot of prompting, without 18 reminders and emails to you, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life more abundantly. Now listen, let me say something to you. Some of you guys use ESV, which I preach from. Some of you use NIV. Some of you use New American Standard. Some of you use King James. Some of you use New, use New King James. Let me just be real bold this morning. When you are fighting the enemy, he's not going to ask you for your translation. He's not going to say, oh, I'm sorry, that's the NIV. I can't take that one. No. I, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy I, Jesus, came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Say this with me this morning. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's you and that's me. Those are fighting words. Those are fighting words to the enemy who is real, who is after you, who wants to destroy your relationships, your marriages, your faith. And destroy you. And Jesus says, but hold on. It is finished. And I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Let's examine these fighting words in Scripture these next few weeks. You're already in the battle. So you might as well get ready. Let's pray this morning.